Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is the uh, epistle reading from Romans chapter 5. Maybe see it. In the name of Jesus, access to excess. Access to excess. That's really the sermon in a nutshell. That's really also a summary for the Christian life. Because we have access to God's grace in our suffering, we can share with joy the excess of God's grace with those who are suffering. Now, I can't stress enough this amazing, immense economy of grace that we have access to, that's available to you and to me. And this economy can't go broke, bankrupt, bye-bye. This economy is here to stay for good, forever. No No scarcity, only plenty. And that's because grace. Grace is God's un merited generosity. His unmerited generosity. To everybody. Extended to everybody. To you and to me. Dear friends, let me be clear. We have an all-access pass to God's grace so that when we suffer, not if, when, (laughs) when we suffer, we can stand in a peaceful, peace-filled place. Pastor Paul, this morning, he opens the floodgate, okay, to grace. Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you and I know this. We don't have a leg to stand on, you know, when it comes to our standing before God, based on our merit, our worthiness, our record, anything we do. Or think or say. We get that. Pastor Paul has already come out swinging earlier in his epistle, especially in chapter 3. That's where he comes out guns blazing, saying these words, For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. No way for us to make ourselves right with God. And the sooner we get that, the better off we will be. We can save ourselves a lot of heartburn, a lot of heartache, a lot of headaches, okay? If we just, you know, get this, okay? We can't make ourselves right with God. Now, if we think that, we're just, you know, we're punishing ourselves. Trying to to make God love us by what we think, say, and do. And we turn God into a punisher. And he is not the punisher-in-chief. Okay, that's not who he is. He is, he is all grace. He is the prince of peace. That's who he is. And what he wants more than ever for your life and mine is peace. And we have it now. We don't have to wait for it. You know, like next week or next year or a decade from now. We have this peace right here, right now. See, it's, 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 it's our God who has put an end to our striving and straining to attain his attention and affection. And he's done that by his initiation. 
And his initiation, his move towards us, spelled C-H-R-I-S-T. Christ! Because of Jesus the Christ, we are all right in his all-seeing sight. God is good with us, and we are good with him, and that gives us peace, dear friends. It does. We have peace with God. We don't have to wake up in the morning and wonder, what does God think of me? He loves you and me. All because of Jesus and his bleeding, dying, third day rising. This is a peace that is only possible because of his grace. It has nothing to do with our grip. All because of his grace. And realizing this, I really think should help us in not giving ourselves those really hateful labels. I think sometimes, speaking for myself here, the guy who punishes Aaron the most is actually, it's Aaron! <laughs> I think you, you understand this. The things that we label ourselves, the names we give ourselves because of our faults and our failures, because of our weaknesses, our helplessness, you know, a disappointment, not enough, unworthy, unlovable, Dear friends, today we, we get to quit all of that negative self-talk. We, we get to quit it. We do. It's great. No more self-hatred, okay? And that's because our works don't work to win the warmth and the welcome of our God. We already, we already have it. It's a given. A gift. All, all grace. It's grace, baby. It's all grace. It really is. And so believe it. Believe it. Faith is, is simply saying yes to, to God's unmerited generosity towards you and me and everybody. A yes to being God's beloved child. Right here. Right now. And we get to wake up every single day and say yes. Yes to to our God's acceptance and approval of you and me. And that's because we have an all-access pass to his grace. Romans 5, 2. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We stand we stand as sons and daughters, beloved sons, beloved daughters of God. We stand in his grace. What a peaceful place. A peace-filled place. I mean, we're not outsiders. We're insiders. We get to live and move and have our being inside this grace, God's grace. It's our home. Our home here on out. Grace is the very air we breathe every time you take a breath in. Think grace, God's grace. Everything, it's all grace, it really is. Past, present, future. Grace upon grace. We can expect grace all the way to the last day. I know we have fallen short of God's glory, but by grace, we're going to... 
We're going to be raised up in both body and soul, freshly resurrected bodies, and we will bling and sing in the glory of God. That's our hope. This is our hope, isn't it, dear friends? And it's a hope that gives us a whole new way of seeing our present pain, as Pastor Paul says in Romans 5.3. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Now, no one here is, well, is without suffering, okay? Suffering is universal. It is. But we are those who have joy in suffering. Seems a, a bit odd. Doesn't it seem a bit odd? <laughs> we rejoice in our suffering because it's in our suffering where we find grace. Or better said, grace finds, finds us. Like water, grace, <coughs> grace flows to the lowest place. And there it pools. Okay? I love that image. Grace flowing to the lowest place, and there it pools. And it's there when we are down in the dumps. There when we are down on our luck. There when we are down on our knees. There when we are down for the count. We find ourselves swimming in God's grace. His unmerited generosity towards you and me. It's a vast ocean we find ourselves in, an ocean of grace. And we look around, and we, we don't even see land. It, it's, it's all grace in front of us, behind us, to the left of us, to the right of us. Grace upon grace. And it's then when we stop drawing from, you know, that dinky well. Our dinky well. <laughs> That runs dry. And we begin to draw from God himself, whose might and mercy are in rich, rich supply. He is the inexhaustible, capital R, resource. Talk about access to excess. Grace upon grace. And so we can press on! We can endure. We can remain steadfast. It's His grace that gives us that stick to itness that we need. And as we put one foot in front of the other, hoping against hope, walking by faith and not by sight, relying on God's grace, God is building up character in you and me. As Pastor Paul says, Romans 5 4. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Character. That's what God produces in you and me as we rely on his grace in the midst of suffering. We actually get to taste firsthand the very words that Pastor Paul hears from God in his suffering. In 2 Corinthians 12. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness sufficient more than enough excess 
Our God will not fail us. He can't fail us. It's impossible for him to fail you and me. Can't do it. Can't do it. And uh, this is the hope that keeps us swimming in God's grace every day. Because it's his grace that, that is going to take us all the way. All the way. The best is yet to come. It is. The best. The absolute best. You can count on it. You can stake your eternal destiny on it. The best is yet to come for us. We won't be disappointed, as Pastor Paul says in Romans 5.5. 5. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This hope is fed and led by a love that's poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. A love that is unconquerable and unconditional and without question inconceivable. A love that none of us actually saw it. A love that was sought by nobody. A love that flows down the cross at Calvary. A love that swings wide open the gates to God's grace. Grace upon grace. Not cheap grace either. This access to grace. God's grace. Is costly. Since he loved he loved us to death when we were ungodly. Listen to the price tag, okay, for this, for this all-access pass to God's grace. Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Is there a more profound proclamation of God's grace? Dear friends, while we were no good, very bad, law-breaking bandits and rebels, while we wanted nothing to do with Jesus, while we actually wished him to leave us alone so that we could do whatever we want, when we were playing for the other team, that's when Christ bled and died. It doesn't make a lick of sense. So don't try to use your reason to comprehend this, this grace, because you can't. I can't. I can't. This is, this is grace that turns everything on its head. A grace that is made manifest, revealed by a heroic act of love. Now, we have examples of heroic acts of love. We do. You know, you think of the soldier who gives his life for the pl pl platoon. You think of the, you know, the pregnant mommy who foregoes chemotherapy to save the child, costs her her life. But what Jesus did is on a whole different plane. It really is. 
We, 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 have, we have no human experience that comes close to what Jesus actually did for us on the cross. It's so foreign to everything that we know. This is not a love that is homegrown, okay? It's a love that sacrifices himself for everyone. Now we think of like human humans sacrificing themselves for, you know, others. But you think about if I had to be put in a position to die for someone, I'm pretty sure I'm going to, you know, make sure that person deserves it, worthy of it, a person that actually loves me back. That's not actually how Jesus rolls. It's not what he does at all. He goes against the grain of our humanity. A love that's not from around here. Otherworldly. So divine. From deep within himself. He is love. That's who God is. At the core of his being. And he, you know, he doesn't hog this love. He shares this love. This one who is self-generating love is also the one who is self-giving love. Thankfully, he doesn't wait for us to uh, clean up our act, get our ducks in a row before he loves us. Thankfully, he doesn't, you know, wait for us to say, I choose, 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 choose you, Jesus. I love you. If he waited for any of that, there, there wouldn't be a cross. There wouldn't be atonement at one minute. The togethering of God and man in the God-man Jesus in that crucified flesh of his, there wouldn't be a good Friday. Every Friday would be a bad Friday. <laughs> he doesn't wait for us. He makes the first move. He has to. And he does with joy. And when he makes that move, that move to the cross, what he is saying to you and to me is that he loves the unlovable. He loves the imperfect. He loves the weak. He loves the helpless. He loves sinners. While we were, you know, hell raisers and haters, Jesus, he went the distance as the greatest hero. Because he left it all on the field of the cross, because he didn't hold anything back, because he sacrificed himself for our sins, because he surrendered himself wholeheartedly, grace upon grace is open to you and to me, to everybody. His death doesn't mean less, it means so much more. Leftovers for everyone. That's what Pastor Paul gets at in Romans 5, 9, where he says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Now, if he did all of that while we were playing for the other team, we can expect so much more from our God. Especially now that we are marked with his blood at the font. Now that we have been moved into his house and given a place at his table, now that we are the beloved sons and daughters of God, we can expect to be loved all the way, all the way through life and death into the resurrection and everlasting life. There is no wrath or condemnation on the horizon for you and for me. Only a love, a love that was there from the very beginning. The very beginning. 
See, it wasn't God's heart that needed to be changed. It was actually my heart (laughs) and your heart. Our hearts needed to be changed, and our hearts have been changed. His love has melted your heart and mine, softening our hearts so that we can receive his love with joy, and, and we can share his love with joy. We have been loved into a mutual loving relationship with the Father, all because of the Son, given to us by the Spirit, and this mutual loving relationship can't be broken, busted, destroyed by anything. Not even death! And that's what Paul highlights here in our text using this language of reconciliation. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. See, we didn't need God to be reconciled to us. We needed to be reconciled to God. God, not the enemy. We were the enemies. But he changed that with the suffering love of Jesus. The suffering love of Jesus has transformed you and me. Changed us who were enemies of God into his friends. More than that, we are family. And because of this suffering love of Jesus, we know that in our suffering, we're loved. We're loved. Suffering and love are not, are not opposites. I know, and I think, I think oftentimes we, we make them opposites. They're not. Suffering and love are actually married, brought together in the death of Jesus. That suffering love, dear friends, changes everything for us. Now, in our suffering, we know that God is not punishing us. We know that God isn't playing with us. We know God isn't putting us on trial. In our suffering, that is precisely where we get to experience the love of God anew, afresh, again. The news becomes good again. (laughs) Over and over and over and over. What grace. And we don't keep, you know, this grace to ourselves. We don't, we're, not, we're, not, we're not grace hogs, okay? We're not grace hogs. That, that's not us. How can we be that? What Jesus did for us, the ungodly, means nobody is our enemy. And so let's use this access to God's grace daily and thereby stand with the suffering in solidarity. There really is only one suffering, dear friends. I really want you to understand this this morning. There really is only one suffering. And you know this already, deep down. All suffering is concentrated in Jesus on the Friday we call good. Jesus is the one who suffers all suffering. Of humanity, all of it. There is no suffering that's outside of the cross of Jesus. And because of this suffering, one, there on the cross, he brings all suffering ones to the Father. He brings suffering one you, suffering one me to the Father. And he's done this for everyone. It's just that not everyone knows it yet. Not everyone has been woken up to the fact that they are reconciled to the Father, one with the Father, together with the Father, 
fellowship with the Father, made a child of the Most High God. But you know that, I know that, that's why we're here. We're going to be at Nori's right now. You're not because, well, this relationship with the Father that is forged and formed at the cross is so precious to you. It gives you peace, the peace that transcends all understanding, the peace of knowing that you are loved by God, not because of what you do or what you haven't done, but because of who you are, you're his child. In this relationship, you derive so much joy from. I do. Pastor Paul talks about this joy in verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. One of the greatest ways that we can demonstrate our joy for this rescued and restored relationship with the Father is by entering into the suffering of another. Another's pain, another's hurt, another's grief, another's loss. And to share, to share a meal, to share time, to share an ear, to share encouragement, to share love, to share yourself. And in that way, what Jesus did on the cross becomes quite practical in our lives. We actually live as though we have no enemies because we actually... We actually don't. We live loving the unlovable, loving the weak, loving the imperfect, loving the suffering. Because it really is only one suffering, the suffering of Jesus. And we can do this, dear friends. We got this with Jesus. Here at the rail, at the supper, the Lord Jesus he pours into us his lifeblood. And with that blood, he pours into us his love. His love for the unlovable. His love for the weak. His love for the imperfect. His love for the sinner. And if that weren't enough, dear friends, there is access to excess. Access to grace upon grace, no matter where you and I stand. No matter where you are, no matter where I am, we stand in that forever flow of the Father's unmerited generosity. So, let it flow. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.